Chapter 32 We did it! We did it! The boy and girl laughed as they ran to each other and hugged. They were both younger than Min Lee, and she realized that they were twins. Their round faces, dancing eyes, and pink cheeks were exactly the same. The gray blanket that the boy had used to help hide himself was thrown on the ground, and with their dimpled faces swollen with smiles and their mat matching bright-colored red clothing, they looked like two rolling berries. Min Lee couldn't help but smile, and as they laughed and congratulated each other, another voice called in the, in the distance. Afu, Dafu, the voice cried. Where are you? The children looked at each other. Agong, the girl said, and then together they called. Here, we're over here. A tall, gray-haired man burst into the clearing. A bag was strapped to his back, and in one hand he held a sword, and in the other a spear. As soon as he saw the children, both weapons clattered to the ground, and they ran into his arms. Afu, Dafu, he cried. We were so worried. We did it, Agong, the boy said. We did it. We destroyed the tiger just like we said we would. Yes, the girl said. Our plan worked. We tricked him into the well just like we said we would. You're not supposed to do that, the man said, holding them tightly. We told you it was too dangerous. That's why we sneaked away, the girl said. We knew it would work. We used his anger against him, just like you said we should. You said he was even angrier at his son, and his anger would blind him. And it did. I didn't say you should do anything, the man said, kneeling with his hands on both of their shoulders. You were not supposed to go after the green tiger yourselves. You're not angry, right? The boy said. Now, no one will have to be scared anymore. We can let the animals out of the house and go outside again. Oh, Dafu, the grandfather said, hugging them again even closer. Afu, as long as you are both safe, that is all that matters to me. Then the gray-haired man saw Min Lee watching them. Ah, who is this? He said, beckoning Min Lee closer. Before either child could say a word, Min Lee rushed up with a hurried bow. Please, she said. My friend, uh, the green tiger injured him, and, and he's hurt, and... The grandfather quickly pushed the children off him and stood up. Hurt by the green tiger? He said. Take me to your friend quickly. It is luckily I brought the medicine bag with me. Dafu, get your blanket. Give it to the girl. She's cold. The boy ran for his blanket, stopping to pick up the torn fabric from his pants and brought it to her. Min Lee wrapped the gray blanket around her. She was grateful for its warmth, but even more grateful that the man wanted to help. How long ago was your friend injured? The man asked as he urged her to lead the way. After Min Lee told him, he shook his head. We must hurry then. The green tiger is no ordinary beast. His teeth and claws are poison. Without the medicine I have, he will die before seeing the sunset. Minli swallowed hard and quickened her pace. The wind seemed to scream a warning, and even under the lair of Dafu's blanket, she felt cold. Would they be too late? Would they be able to save Dragon? Chapter 33 He's in here, Min Lee called to Afu and Dafu, and their grandfather pointing to the cave opening. Even before reaching the entrance, Agong was already holding the medicine bottle in his hand. As they rushed inside, Min Lee was relieved to hear Dragon's rasping breath. He was still alive, but as the children and their grandfather saw him lying in the dim light, they stopped, shocked still. Your friend? Your friend? The boy said in awe. Is a... Dragon? The old man recovered from his surprise. It matters not. 
he said to them. Quickly, where is his wound? Minli carefully unwound her blanket from Dragon's arm and winced. The gashes seemed to have burned into him like evil coals. The blackness had spread and his arm looked like a burnt tree. Swiftly, the man pushed Minli aside and began to pour the liquid from the medicine jar over Dragon's black arm. The tonic was a clear yellow-green with gentle aroma of fresh flowers and grass, reminding Minli of a spring morning. As it washed over Dragon's diseased arm, his tightly closed eyes relaxed, and the grimace on his face smoothed, as if a deep pain was relieved. The medicine melted the dark poison, the blackness seemed to be rinsing away, and Dragon's breathing became easier and even. Minli sighed. She hadn't realized until then that she had been holding her breath. She knew, even before the man smiled, the dragon was going to be okay. Dafu, the, the old man said, and Minli realized he was calling both his grandchildren with a single name. Go home. Tell the family what has happened and where I am so they don't worry. I need to stay with dragon. Tell Amma and all the women to make more medicine. When it is ready, bring it to me. The dragon will need to drink it when he awakens. Thank you, Minli said softly. The man turned and looked at her wind-burned face, tangled hair and eyes shadowed with weariness. It's going to be fine, the grandfather said to her kindly and then turned back to the children. Da'afu, bring this girl home and tell Amma to take care of her. She has not slept in a warm bed for a long time. I want to stay with Dragon, Minli protested. I want to help him. I will stay with him. Don't worry, he will be fine. You have already helped him. Minli opened her mouth to argue, but a yawn formed instead. She realized that the man was right. She nodded her head. Then boy took one of Minli's hands, and the girl took the other, and they led her out of the cave. Chapter 34 Which one of you is Afu, and which one is Dafu? Asked. Minli asked the twins. My name's Minli. The children laughed. Their giggles were like bells playing in unison. I'm Afu, the girl said. He's Dafu, but you can just call us Da'afu because we're always together. Everyone does. Min Lee smiled. The exhaustion from the long night of worry had made her feel heavy and clumsy, but the children's happiness seemed to carry her. Their every word seemed to be mixed with merriness. Their laughter pushed her toward the cheerful yellow patch in the distance. As they approached the spot, Minli realized that the yellow was flowers. In front of them was land full of blooming trees. The trees were heavy with bright blossoms, and as the wind blew through the branches, golden flowers showered down like rain. As they reached the trees and breathed in the spicy scent of the flowers, Minli gasped. It's beautiful, she said. The children laughed again, and the brilliant red of their clothes and the yellow, golden flowers of the trees seemed to make Minli's eyes dazzle with color. But their brilliance was a contrast to the stone rooftops of a village below. The homes looked as though they had been hoed from the cold, harsh rock of the mountain, and Minli saw that the flowering trees were the only things that grew easily from the unforgiving, rough soil. The boy saw Minli's gaze. That's our home he told her. The village of the moon rain. Village of the moon rain? Minli asked. That's a strange name. Why isn't your village named after the flowering trees? It is, Dafu said. The story of the village of the moon rain. 
Over a hundred years ago, when our ancestors were first brought here, the land of the village was barren and gray. Everything was dull and colorless. The wind was cold and bitter. Still, our ancestors worked hard. They built horses, houses out of mountain stone, sewed warm, weighted cotton jackets, and planted seeds in the hard dirt. But despite their efforts, the land refused to bear a single plant or flower. However, even though it looked hopeless, our ancestors continued to work. Then, one night, when the moon was big and round, the air filled with a strange fluttering sound. Our ancestors thought that a great storm was coming and rushed inside. And a great storm was coming. With a crash, raindrops seemed to fall from the sky. But what strange rain it was. Round and smooth, in the glowing light the raindrops looked like silver pearls. And when they touched the ground, they disappeared. It's raining pearls, our ancestors said to each other. Jewels from the moon! And they rushed out with baskets and bags, catching what they could from this strange storm. Magically, when the raindrops were caught, they didn't disappear. And soon, their baskets and bags were full. But in the morning, our ancestors saw that the drops were not pearls or jewels. In the sunlight, they saw that they were really seeds. But no one knew what kind of seeds they were. Curious, they planted them in the hard earth. And when the moon rose again that night, the strange rain fell again as well. This time our ancestors were not fooled and just watched the drops disappear into the ground. But in the morning, the planted seeds were sprouting as if watered by a magic brew. So night after night, the seed rain fell from the sky. And as the daylight broke over the land, the seedlings grew higher. Soon, they grew into beautiful silver trees with golden flowers. They were so beautiful, our ancestors planted more and more seeds, and soon the whole village was blooming with hundreds and hundreds of flowering trees. And since then, our home has been called the Village of the Moon Rain. We plant new seeds every day and every night. The moon rain falls, and every morning a new seedling sprouts. Maybe... In a hundred years, all this stony land will be covered with trees and the mountain will be as golden as the moon. So these seeds rain from the sky every night? Minli asked. Well, every night there's a moon, the girl said. That is why we call it moon rain. And you don't know why? Minli asked. Even though she was tired, she couldn't help but be curious. Both children shook their heads and before Minli could ask more questions, the boy pointed. Minley followed his hand and saw a crimson gate doors painted with a cheerful greeting. We're here, he cried. Come on, we're home. Chapter 35 After the great storm, Ma and Ba worried that the vast damage had been done to the village. And when the sun shone in the morning, the village looked as if it were in ruins. Large tree branches had fallen and a clutter of leaves and roof tiles and dust and dirt littered the ground. Yet when the villagers began to clean, they saw the storm had not harmed them as much as they had feared. At least no homes were destroyed, the villagers said to each other, and we know everyone's safe. Well, everyone except for Min Lee, they added silently. Ma and Ba said nothing when their neighbors paused awkwardly. They helped pick up the broken branches, swept broken bits of pottery and tiles from the street, and nailed shutters. At night, they quietly sat together together at the table with the goldfish. Though Ma had heard nothing, Ba remembered the fish's words about the fear and the wind. It filled him with worry, and he waited for the fish to speak again. However, 
yet remained oddly silent. Finally, when Ma was busy helping a neighbor, Ba tried to question the fish. During the storm, you said there was a fear in the wind, Ba said to the fish. Whose fear is it? Minnie's? Was she afraid of something? The fish stared at Ba with its round eyes and made no sound. Please tell me, Ba said, his hands around the bowl. The fish swam noiselessly in the water. Ba was puzzled. Had the fish stopped speaking or was he just not able to understand? Or perhaps the fish had never actually spoken and it was all just his imagination. Ba placed his ear close to the water. Was that faint bubbling a whisper? He strained closer, his ear beginning to dip into the water. What are you doing? Ma asked as she came into the room. Ba jerked his head up. His ear was dripping with water. Uh, nothing. Were you cleaning your ear in a fishbowl? Ma said, slightly appalled. Uh, not exactly, Ba said awkwardly. A cross look streaked across Ma's face. But as she looked at Ba rubbing his ear shamefacedly, she did something she hadn't done in years. She laughed. You look so silly. If Millie were here now, she would laugh at you. Yes, she would, Ba said, and he too began to laugh. She would laugh until she cried. Their laughter intertwined, but when they looked at each other, they could see the tears forming were not from joy. Chapter 36 Minley was so tired that she could barely remember what happened when they entered the village. She hardly remembered the clamor of people gathering around them and the loud cheers of Da'afu told about the destruction of the green tiger. As she vaguely remembered the big, soft hug of an elderly woman who pushed her inside a welcoming house. But she did remember the cozy, loving feeling of falling into a bed like holding a warm, steamed bun on an icy day. And then Minley closed her eyes and slept. When she woke up, three round faces peered above her like plump peaches. They were Dafu, Afu, and Ama, their grandmother. Each of the children, dressed in their red-weighted cotton outfits, the rip in Dafu's pants was now fixed, had little movable stoves with them. With the heaters and all of them crowded in the room, Minley felt as if she were in a warm oven of kindness. And she smiled. Good morning, Ama said. The children giggled. Good night, Dafu said. You slept the whole day. Pretty soon it'll be time to go to bed again. Now, Da'afu, don't tease the girl, Ama said. Obviously, she's very tired. Here, Min Lee, drink this. Ama poured some tea from a pot and handed Min Lee a cup. Min Lee sipped it gratefully. The steaming liquid slipped down her throat smoothly and seemed to fill every part of her with a fresh energy. She took another sip of tea and breathed in the tangy fragrance which smelled familiar. This is a nice tea, Min Lee said. Thank you. It's not tea, Afu said. It's a medicine that cures the tiger's poison. It is tea as well, Ama said. It is good whether you have been touched by the green tiger or not. Minli stopped drinking. Is there enough for the dragon? Minli asked, remembering how Agong had asked them to bring more medicine. Maybe we should take this to him. Da'afu laughed again. Don't worry, they said. We have a lot of it. It's made from the leaves of our flowering trees. And Da'afu already brought a large pot to your dragon friend, Ama said, her wrinkled face looking kindly at Min Lee. Yeah, Afu said. 
Your dragon's doing fine. He and Agong were talking to each other when I brought the pot, and he even said thank you for saving him from the green tiger's poison. Minli sat back, relieved and cheered by their words. What was the green tiger? Da'afu said something about a magistrate? A and how did you know that this tea was curing the tiger's poison? Well, we found out by accident, Ama said. The story of the green tiger and the tea. When the green tiger discovered us four moons ago, we quickly learned he was not an ordinary tiger. It was not his color or his size, it was the anger he had for us. First, he attacked our livestock, the sheep, the pigs, the chickens, but not to eat, just to kill. He taunted us with his evil, leaving the dying animals in a row outside our door. Whatever animals he did not kill outright died within an hour or so from the vile poison of the tiger's touch. We knew it was just a matter before time before he caught one of us. We kept the children and whatever animals we had left inside. Agong, my husband, studied furiously trying to find out more about this powerful monster who tormented us. We were running out of food when Agong finally discovered what the green tiger was. When Agong was a young man, he had made a journey to the city south of here and bought an old book of history. That book, with our ancestors' ancient texts, was how Agong discovered that the green tiger was the spirit of the magistrate our ancestors had tried to give the secret of happiness to, but had angered instead. During his life, the magistrate had filled his spirit with so much rage that when his body left, his spirit could not rest and instead turned into the green tiger. Agong learned that the green tiger searched for all those he felt had wronged him. The tiger would punish us for his imagined offense and then, when he felt the punishment was complete, destroy us. Afterward, he would find others who had wronged him and punish and destroy them as well. Who knows how many people he hurt before he came to us. Perhaps we were lucky he only found us four moons ago. In desperation, the men decided to form a hunting party to try to kill the tiger, but the green tiger was too powerful for us. Our swords and our staves were shattered by him. The hunting party returned, half of the men carried by the other half and almost all injured. The women and children, we tried to nurse the injured, but they kept getting sicker and sicker from the tiger's poison, and I began to despair. Though it had not worked on any of the animals in the past, I thought perhaps hot water could wash away the poison from the wounds. So, even though it was dangerous, I left the house to get water from the well. As I returned, I saw the tiger. He was standing in front of our gate, doing something peculiar. He, he seemed to be arranging things. I kept a far distance behind the trunk of a flowering tree. He soon finished and left, not noticing me. As soon as he left, I carefully rushed to the gate. The tiger had left a strange array of objects. There was a piece of a broken vase with a moon on it, a mangled child's jacket, and two deep claw marks scratched into the stone. I knew it was a message. But what did it say? The only person who would know would be a gong, but he was sick and dying from the tiger's poison. My eyes filled with tears as I rushed inside. It was hard for me to keep from crying and I was blinded by my own tears. So it was only when the fragrance filled the air that I realized the water I was boiling had leaves from the flowering trees in it. They must have fallen in when I was hiding from the green tiger. It was too dangerous to go and get more water. Everyone was horrified that I had gone at all. So I used the hot leaf water to clean a gong's wound. And like magic, the poison began to melt away. I couldn't believe it. I gave Agong some leaf water tea to drink and immediately his hoarse breathing was soothed and his face relaxed. 
Quickly, we used the tea on all the men, and by the time the last injured man was given tea, Agong was sitting up in his bed with Da'afu at his side. I was a fool, he said to us. I should have known we could not fight the green tiger with more anger. We just add to his power that way. His anger is his strength, but it can also be his weakness. His anger can blind him, and that is when he is vulnerable. Maybe if I can find who angered the magistrate the most, I can. You are definitely recovering. I had to smile. Already you're making plans, but why don't you rest for now? No, a gong waved away my concerns. I must learn more, immediately, before the green tiger does more damage. I knew then that a gong needed to see the green tiger's message right away. Da'afu and I wrapped him in the blankets and supported him as he hobbled to the gate. Agong looked grave as he examined the objects. Just as I thought, he knew right away what it meant. What is the green tiger saying? Afu asked. It says, if we give him two children every month, he will leave us in peace. This is the start of his punishment for us. The way we are to pay penance for our ancestors. How does it say that? Dafu asked. Two claw marks next to a child's clothes mean he wants two children, and a vase is a symbol of peace. The moon on it means every month, so he offers us month of peace for two children. It matters not. We will not even sacrifice a baby pig to him. But Afu and I had other ideas, Dafu said, interrupting. After Agong found out that the person who angered the green tiger the most was his own son, he was a king and he had banished the magistrate tiger from the kingdom, we made a plan. Yeah, Afu said proudly. We decided we would trick him and we would trick the green tiger into getting so angry that he would destroy himself in the well and our plan worked. It was also a plan that we did not approve of or agree to, Amas said, shaking her head at them even though she could not help but smile affectionately. But now, young Min Lee, you have heard our story, but we have not heard yours. We know your name and that you're friends with a dragon, and we can guess you're far from home. Why don't you tell us the rest? So, Min Lee told them about Ma and Ba, their struggles in the muddy fields, the goldfish man, the goldfish. She told them about meeting the dragon that could not fly, and the monkeys, and the buffalo boy. She told them about the king of the city of bright moonlight, and the borrowed lines. She told them about her whole journey. And as she spoke... Da'afu and their grandmother laughed and gasped and stared in wonder. Sometimes Amma shook her head. Sometimes Da'afu would look at each other in disbelief. But they did not interrupt once. So, all of this is to get to Neverending Mountain? Da'afu said. We know where that is. You do? Minli exclaimed, sitting up in excitement. Really? Yes, Neverending Mountain's nearby, Afu said. It's a day's journey. Minli looked at them in shock, and no words could come out of her mouth. A day's journey after all their days of traveling, Minli could not believe they were so close. As soon as your dragon friend is well, Amma said, Dafu will take you there, and then you can return to your parents. Minli smiled gratefully, but as she looked at their comfortable round pink faces, how both Afu and Dafu leaned against their grandmother with devotion, and how she rested her hands on their heads with tenderness, Min Li suddenly thought of Ma and Ba. A wave of longing washed through her and a dryness caught her in her throat that the tea could not moisten. All right, friends.